I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I have always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So, let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, I might as well say, won't you be mine? Would you be mine? Would you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Have you ever had a moment when the, the light bulb inside your head goes on and suddenly things make sense in a way they didn't before? I had one of those inner light bulb moments when a friend told me that the TV show about Daniel Tiger, a show our kids love, was inspired by another show, one that was popular when I was growing up, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I had no idea. I can't believe it took me so long uh, to see the connection. Now things make sense in a way they never did before. Mr. Rogers wore his trademark sweater, often a red one. <laughs> he famously asked a question. Do you remember? Won't you be my neighbor? That show was designed for kids, obviously, but the message speaks to people of all ages. What would it mean for us to be good neighbors today? A group of pastors wanted to dream a little bit and to start answering the question, how can we better serve our community together? That led them to a surprising and embarrassing conclusion. They really didn't know their community that well. So they started asking questions to learn more. Uh, they asked these questions of themselves, of people in their churches and of different people in the community, including community leaders. They asked, what is your dream for our community? If you could wave a magic wand and change anything about our community, what would you change? Really interesting, thought-provoking questions. The mayor suggested the smartest thing the pastors could do for their community was to start a neighboring movement, a movement focused on encouraging people to be good neighbors because the mayor said, this is the mayor, a government official, we can do all the programs we want, but relationships, he said, always trump programs. Government leaders also noted in those conversations that people who have close bonds with their neighbors live longer. Did you realize that? Where people know the names of their neighbors, crime is 60% lower. When natural disasters strike, your neighbors are your first responders. And local government leaders also added that there is no visible difference between Christian and non-Christian neighbors. That last point was particularly eye-opening and, frankly, a little convicting for this group of pastors to hear. That's because the language of neighboring didn't originate with Daniel Tiger 
or Mr. Rogers before him, Jesus talked a lot about what it means to be a neighbor. If Jesus really meant what he said about being a good neighbor, then followers of Jesus should place special emphasis on neighboring. Loving our neighbors should be something we're known for doing well, if Jesus really meant what he said. Jesus was once asked, who is my neighbor? He answered the question by doing what he often did, telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw the man, he moved to the other side and kept walking. Then a Levite, another religious leader, showed up, but he also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road was coming near him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, cleaning and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, take good care of him. If it costs more, put it on my bill. I'll pay when I come back. Then Jesus asked, what do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? And the man who had first asked the question about neighboring to Jesus responded. I, the text doesn't say, but I believe he responded right away because I think the answer is clear. He said the one who treated him kindly, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do the same. I wonder if the light bulb in that man's head uh, went on when he heard Jesus say those words. I wonder if then he understood in a whole new way what life with Jesus is all about. Jesus is a genius. Maybe, maybe you've never thought of it that way, but a genius, an absolute genius. He gives the most strategic and greatest uh, commandment that would change the world if believers actually followed it. Sometimes we look for loopholes. I, I do this. It's as if I think, well, Lord, I, I hear what you're saying in this story, and, and it's an amazing story, Lord. It's, it's amazing. Um, and and um, because of it, if, if I ever see anyone lying half dead beside the road, of course, Lord, I'll be sure to stop and help. But, I, Jesus, I just, I have not yet ever seen anyone lying half dead beside the road. So I, I'm ready, but I haven't yet seen it. So I, I, guess, I guess I'm off the hook. When, when I think of it that way, of course, I miss the point. Jesus is saying here that even our enemies are neighbors. At that time, uh, Jews and Samaritans were thought to be bitter enemies. It was even more intense than the rivalry between Dallastown and Red Lion. 
the Steelers versus the Ravens, not even close to this. Listen to what's happening here. A Jewish man is attacked by robbers and left in desperate need. He's ignored by religious people who see him and pass by on the other side. Then, of all people, it's the Samaritan, the enemy, who comes along and actually does the merciful and loving thing by caring for the person in need at his own expense. And in doing so, the Samaritan becomes a neighbor to that man. And then Jesus says, go and do the same. Jesus says that your enemy should be your neighbor. He says that you should go out of your way to be the neighbor of someone who comes from a place or history of open hostility to you or your way of life. I mean, this is extraordinary. And we've heard this story so many times, sometimes it becomes so familiar, we forget about the power of it or overlook the power of this story. That we should go out of our way to be the neighbors, even to those who come from a place or history of open hostility to us or our way of life. I wonder how many times, instead of doing that, we go out of our way, not to help, but to avoid people we'd rather not interact with. I wonder how many times, instead of doing as Jesus says, we conveniently pass by and pretend we just didn't see. If we're supposed to care for even our enemies, Certainly, we're supposed to care for the people right around us, our literal neighbors. Jesus says, go and do this. But do we? A great first step is learning your neighbor's names. That moves you from, hey there, to, hey Mike, or, hey Julie. Learning your neighbor's names can begin the progression from, a wave, and, and maybe it's that kind of awkward wave, to, hey, buddy, to, hey, Mike, to, hey, Mike, how are you doing? To, hey, Mike, there's something here in my garage. Can you help me for a moment? Or even to, hey, Mike, I, I see that your son moved in. How's that going? And you see the difference? between those kinds of interactions, that wave or little awkward wave, you know, don't get too close, but I see you, versus, hey, I noticed something um, about, about your house here and about your life, and how's, how, how is everything? How are things going? Not that I'm trying to, you know, pry into your life or gossip, but just trying to be a caring neighbor. How are you? How's your family? It's good to see you. You can move from stranger to acquaintance to having a relationship, a friendship with your neighbors. In this social media-driven world, we have all these connections online. It's like we're constantly connected to so many people. It's remarkable. Yet, what tends to be breaking down is our ability to interact in person and to have conversations with the people 
who are right around us. You know, when we put our phones down, when we step away from the computer, can we have a conversation in person with somebody who's right next to us? And meanwhile, many of us, despite all these amazing online connections, many of us are feeling increasingly disconnected, isolated, lonely. Many of us lead lives marked by even a quiet desperation. It's like we're desperate for connection. But we, we really don't seem to know how to find it anymore, and, and, and all this time goes into the online stuff. But what about being present face to face? In a moment, we're going to do a short exercise that, that can help uh, kick off this progression of moving from stranger to acquaintance to having a relationship with our neighbors. We'll hand out uh, a simple map that looks like this. Um, and I'll ask you uh, to take one map per household, along with a pen, if you need a pen. Would the ushers please come forward now and help me? Could I have two more people, please? Thanks. Yeah, again, one, one per household, please. Thank you. Here you go, bud, in case they need a pen. Thanks. So on the, the block map, the center represents uh, where, where you live. And the other blocks represent your literal neighbors, the people who live closest to you, whether that's the house next to you or an apartment or a condo. In a moment, I'll ask you to write down the names of the people in the eight closest households to you. I know your neighborhood looks different uh, than the map. It doesn't look exactly like that. But when you walk out the front door, who are the uh, eight closest people who live around you? What are the eight closest households to where you live? And who lives there? Uh, start to, to write down their names. Don't cheat uh, by taking uh, someone who's 16 houses away and, and jamming them in there just to, so you can feel better about yourself. Just the eight closest households and start writing down their names.
For fun, let, let's do an experiment. If you can name the adults in the eight closest households to you, uh, all eight, I'd like you to raise your hand. Okay, so on average, about 10% of people know the names of their eight closest neighbors. So in this room, we're, we're, we're above average. That's, that's, that's good. What would it take to be even higher above average? Take a step back for a moment. Consider what this means. Jesus said to love our neighbors. Sure, the teaching extends to our metaphorical neighbors, people everywhere in need. This teaching extends to the people we work with, uh, the parent on our kids' soccer team, and even the person from some other country or the other side of the world who is in need of a meal. But it also means our actual neighbors, the people who live next door. So are we doing this? Are we actually loving our neighbors? Let's start by learning our neighbors' names. I'm talking to myself uh, just as much as anyone else. Last week, one of our neighbors asked me if I had met the new couple uh, down the street. I said, actually, uh, no, no, I haven't. And then in my mind, I tried to justify my lack of reaching out by thinking to myself, they're about four houses down, so they're not on my block map. <laughs> I think it was God's way of nudging me, reminding me, <laughs> that as I was in the midst of preparing a sermon series on neighboring, uh, hey, Ken, you've got uh, some growth to do in this area, too. And, of course, it's true. Uh, I'm a long way from having mastered the art of neighboring. For each of us, there's always a next step in becoming a better neighbor. What's your next step? If you've lived next to your neighbors for a long time and still don't know their names, it can be awkward. But you have to start somewhere. They probably don't know your name either. Someone has to break the ice. Why not you? Or maybe you do know your neighbor's names and that's part of the problem. <laughs> You know your neighbors well enough to know you don't really like them. <laughs> Maybe your neighbors are sometimes noisy late at night or park on the street in ways that inconvenience you. Maybe they have even been downright rude to you at times. Jesus never asks us to like our neighbors. He says, love your neighbors as you love yourselves. Throughout the Bible, God tells us to love our neighbors. He emphasizes that along with loving him, this is the most important thing we can do. God invites us to love the way he loves. He challenges us to put our love into action. And isn't it true that love, if it's truly love, does translate into action? You know, the, the warm, fuzzy feelings, th those only go so far. If it's truly love that you have toward those around you, that will be evident, not by how you feel about them, but by how you interact with them. You show in your words, in your actions, whether or not you do actually love someone. Your block map has a magnetic back. 
And I encourage you to take this home, fill in any remaining uh, names you need to learn, and stick it on your refrigerator. Let it be a regular reminder to you of Jesus' call for us to love our neighbors. In the Bible, we read this. From one ancestor, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the exact places where they would live. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Think about that. God marked out our appointed time in history and even the exact places where we would live. One person had uh, a neighbor whose house was run down. The garage door was falling off the hinges. Two dead cars sat out front. So he called code enforcement, and city officials came by and ticketed the house. A few days later, he was talking to another neighbor about the blighted house. Yeah, said the neighbor. I guess the woman who lives in that home lives alone, and her mother now has cancer. She's had to stop working to care for her mom. She's been by her mom's bedside 24 hours a day, every day, for the past several months. You can imagine how horrible the person felt once he got the full story about his neighbor. When he learned his neighbor's story, that she was spending every waking moment caring for her sick mother, he decided to do something. He rallied a few other neighbors, and they fixed the neighbor's garage door, hung up her gutters, and helped her fix her car. More importantly, they got to know her name and more of her story. They let her know that she wasn't alone, that there were people nearby who cared. Simply knowing her story made all the difference. There are dozens of obstacles, some real, some imagined, that keep us from getting to know even one neighbor. Starting next week, we're going to talk through some of those barriers and how we can overcome them, and I hope you'll join us. But for now, I leave you with this thought. God has placed you in your specific neighborhood for a reason. Remember, the Bible tells us God marked out our appointed time in history and even the exact places where we would live. God has placed you in your specific neighborhood for a reason. What is God going to do through this group of people, through relationships built in your neighborhood? How can you love your neighbors as Jesus does? How can you do something amazing for someone this week? Jesus said, go and show love to others like that Samaritan loved the wounded, hurting person who was thought to be his enemy. Go and do that, Jesus said. That's what it means to be a neighbor. Those are the words of Jesus, our Savior and our Judge, the one before whom we'll have to give an account of our lives. What if Jesus really meant what he said? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for revealing to us how you want us to live. 
Help us love you and love our neighbors, those far away and our neighbors nearby. Forgive us for the times we've failed to do that. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to be more responsive to those around us and to all who are in need. And by your Holy Spirit, move us to respond in love. Help us take the next step this week. We pray in the name of Jesus, and as he taught us, now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be.